Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, guys? Another Thanksgiving in the books means that we are returning to action in very short order against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football, a game that I've been dreading pretty much since the Rams game, to be completely honest with you. It's uh, one I, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely glass half empty on it. I know the Packers aren't indestructible. They're not mowing down everybody that they play uh, and everything, but it's Bears-Packers and it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he always tends to be able to do these kinds of things uh, to us. So uh, hence my uh, my deep level of concern uh, going into uh, this one. But I hope everyone enjoyed the holiday. I hope everyone enjoyed my discussion with Evan Western. Um, despite his uh, unfortunate allegiance to that team up north, uh, he is one of my favorite guests to have uh, on the show, and I always enjoy uh, talking to him. Got plenty of food uh, in your belly. I'm recording this on Thanksgiving night. Uh, I just sat through the masked singer uh, because my my dad and my stepmom are huge fans of the show, and for that 60 minutes, I was not feeling so thankful uh that show is an abomination uh i cannot believe it's as popular as it is and i think it speaks to why we're in as much trouble as we are as a nation it's uh uh what a waste of time (laughs) just oh my god that was that awful anyway um now that i've sat through that uh i'm i'm up here recording uh recording tonight's episode to get you guys ready for to, to drop this on on Friday for you. So what do you say we go ahead and get to it? Cause I got some, uh, I got some leftover Turkey that I'm going to turn into some awesome sandwiches when I'm done with this. So it's the week 12 preview episode of the bear Talk underground. So let's get to it. Week number 12 coming off of the bye, our beloved getting back to work, heading up North, to take on Green Bay in Lambeau Field on Sunday Night Football. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back, the Week 12 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Happy Thanksgiving, and I uh, hope you all enjoyed the holiday. Uh, right now, I'm kind of missing that there's no third game. Thanks to COVID, the Ravens and Steelers got pushed to Sunday. Uh, a lot of Bear fans hopeful that the uh, main event matchup between those two would have pushed them into the Sunday night slot to get us off of a national TV or a possible national TV ass whooping. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, twas not to be. We are still the, uh, the main event on Sunday night to, uh, to finish off the evening. Bears, Packers, national TV. It's going to happen whether we want it to or not, folks. So... Um, you know, as I said, I just sat through the mass Singer, and there's 60 minutes of my life I'll never get back. Uh, I don't know why I just didn't come up during the mass Singer and uh, do it, probably because I, I kind of uh, napped my way or, or, or food coma slept my way through the second half of the, uh, the I was going to say Redskins, Washington-Dallas uh, slashing the, uh, the, the I was going to say it, I was going to say it again, Washington killed the Cowboys uh, today, and so I was just kind of sitting there kind of waking up uh, as the mass singer got started and um yeah I, I i don't know why i didn't 
leave at some point, but uh, it wasn't because I was in, you know, like the show had sucked me in or, or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I just, uh, it, it became like a hate watch thing after a while. I had to see which one of these people was going to be eliminated and uh, find out who this who this unfortunate celebrity was that their their career is stooped to such a low position they have to be on the mass singer to uh to have some kind of relevancy uh in this world uh spoiler alert the answer was paul anka he was the broccoli so you're welcome now you know that just like i do congratulations but um anyway we got a football game uh on sunday night and for those of you who listened to my discussion uh with evan western not looking forward to it um it, it, and it's just everything, and, and I mentioned this briefly during the conversation with Evan, and it was that this team is on a four-game losing streak. We went from at 5-1 and one tempor- you know, for a short period of time being the number one seed in the entire NFC to now right now being like you know the eighth team, the ninth team on the outside looking in, even in a playoff situation that has an extra team in it now. Seven teams make the playoffs instead of six. And we're still on the outside looking in after these last four weeks. And you don't really get the sense in the way that anybody's talking that there's any kind of desperation or urgency to turn this thing around. I think it's, it's, to me it's a little too loosey-goosey uh, in Hallis Hall. I know we've got six games left. That's still plenty of football left to be played. But with the way that we've been playing, I, I, it, it bothers me that we, there isn't more of a sense of urgency to get this thing turned around. Because if we lose to Green Bay on Sunday, which unfortunately, guys, I feel like is the likelihood here, then we're on a five-game losing streak. Now we're a losing football team at five and six, and we've got four or four football games left right now with uh, you know the Week 17 matchup with Green Bay as our only currently as our only team with a winning record left on the schedule because we have the lions next week the texans after that then we got minnesota and jacksonville before the green bay game and with the way that we're playing on offense it just who are we gonna beat who in the you know i i it just i don't know i don't know however We've, uh, you know, we do have these football games left to play. Uh, you know, like I said, it bothers me that I'm not getting a sense of, uh, of urgency or, you know, not that I want the Bears to be desperate, but I just don't really get a feel like everyone's treating it like the must-win game that it is. Uh, and, and it absolutely is. I mean, we thought that Minnesota was a must-win game. Now we're definitely back up against the wall. You know, it's, it's the, the percentage of us making it, to the playoffs keeps dwindling with every loss that we pile onto this thing. So, um, you know, I, that's one thing that, that, uh, you know, like I said, I mentioned it briefly with, with Evan last night, uh, that, um, you know, with it, this, uh, that that's the one thing that really bothers me is that I'm not getting a sense that, that anybody's really worried that if we lose this game, then we are perpetually screwed, uh, after this. So, um, uh, and I think that maybe they're looking at the fact that we do have four out of our next five games against losing football teams. And right now the Texans, I think, just got their fourth win of the season by beating Detroit today. Um, and they handed it to Detroit pretty good, actually. Um, the Jaguars, uh, if not for the Jets being winless, would have the front row seat for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. They they beat the Colts week one somehow and have lost nine straight uh, since then. So we've got a one-win football team on our schedule uh, down the line here. And, uh, you know, the Lions next week, who are a mess uh, right now. I mean, hell, from what I've been hearing, Matt Patricia might not even be the head coach when we play the Lions in 10 days, uh, which is an interesting uh, situation. Uh, We've got Minnesota in Minnesota, which, as you know, Chris Gates and I love to talk about. The Bears win in Chicago, the Vikings win uh, in Minnesota. That's the history of that rivalry, or at least for the last several years uh, or so. But Minnesota's already won the game in Chicago, and the Bears have won two straight. Uh, I think we're uh, we're no, we we lost the first one. I was going to say we're undefeated in U.S. Bank Stadium, but we've won the last two games, uh, regardless of the circumstances against uh, Minnesota. So maybe maybe we're flipping this rivalry 
maybe Minnesota's going to win in Chicago now, and we're going to be the ones winning up there. So, we but we definitely need that game. You know, if we lose, we're five and six. We pretty much have to win out to guarantee ourselves a spot in the playoffs, and we might be able to get that last week because um, if the Packers keep playing the way that they have been, then they likely won't need uh, to win against us week seventeen in order to, you know, c- clinch anything or. or or move on or whatever so i don't know but do you think the bears can rattle off five straight if we lose this sunday even with the schedule that we have ahead of us do you think we can play well enough to win that many games uh in a row because uh, our largest winning streak of this season was starting three and zero, and two of those games were miracle comebacks against very bad football teams so yeah i, I mean i know we've got a list of i just listed off a bunch of fo- bad football teams that we have left on our schedule but um you know i'm not feeling good we'll be able to pull that off but uh, time will tell and uh, i would love to be able to listen to this six weeks from now as we get ready for our wild card playoff game and talk about how how silly i sounded and you know how unconfident and i should be ashamed of myself but uh you know and i hope that that comes i hope that that happens that i can go remember when i sat there on thanksgiving night and all i did was complain and whine about the schedule and how much we suck and ah, how silly I was. Let's hope that happens. I would love for that to happen. I would love to eat these words for New Year's Eve break, you know, breakfast or whatever. So anyway, let's get into our news and notes. And um, not a whole lot to go off of here. Um, it's been rather quiet for the most part. Uh, here are the headlines. We mentioned this briefly during the conversation with Evan Western. Uh, Eddie Jackson is on the COVID list, and we did find out that it was uh, – one of those close contact deals. So basically he has to self-quarantine for a few days. And I think the protocol is he has to test negative for the virus, I think, two or three days in a row before he can come back to practice. So I don't think he's ruled out for the Green Bay game at all uh, at this point. But um, he's still on the COVID list right now. He's not practicing, obviously. So um, he's missing out. But if Eddie Jackson can go on Sunday, he's going to go. If he gets If he clears the protocols... Uh, the Bears will put him on the field, that's for sure. Uh, speaking of clearing, clearing protocols, David Montgomery cleared the concussion protocol, so he will be back on Sunday running the football or trying to, anyway, uh, for the Bears against the Packers. Um, so that's good news there. Um, in the land of punt returners and kick returners, we got a new one. Uh, the Bears claimed DeAndre Carter off of waivers from the Houston Texans. And, um, you know, We'll see how that works out. I guess we don't want to, to risk losing Anthony Miller, so we brought in this guy, claimed him off waivers, which means he goes right onto the 53-man roster, probably taking the spot uh, vacated uh, by Dwayne Harris when we put him on injured reserve with that uh, that tricep uh, issue that he suffered against the Vikings. So uh, hopefully we'll see him on the field uh, on Sunday, and uh, he'll make some kind of impact for us. And then I thought this was fun because, like I said, we're – that's basically it that I have for news and notes. Um, but I saw a fun article today on uh, on Bleacher Report, but it was from uh, Bears Wire. Allison Barbieri, I think is how you pronounce it. Alyssa, I'm sorry. Uh, Barbieri wrote a, uh, a Thanksgiving-themed column, if you will, about uh, the six things to be grateful for with the Bears. And uh, here they are in succession. Uh, number one was that we're still mathematically – alive in the playoff race you heard me was belly aching that about that a few minutes ago which is true we're five and five and i think that we are eighth in the playoff race which means we are literally just one spot uh outside uh and keep in mind guys that one of those spots is currently taken by the team that is leading the nfc east which after today believe it or not is washington because at four and seven they are one game better in the win column than the 3-6-1 and one Philadelphia Eagles. So one of those teams, just because those are the rules, will make the playoffs. And uh, instead of the team with the seven best records, uh, usually you'd think one of those should, would be a division winner. But I think record-wise, the division leader in in uh, in the NFC East would probably like ninth or tenth or something. Would be well, Actually, would probably be somewhere towards like the bottom five. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, if you had to list them by record, the NFC East division winner would not make the playoffs this year. That's how bad that division is. Six and ten could carry that division this year. That's pathetic. 
and because they're a division winner, they'll host a playoff game, which is bananas. But um, nonetheless, I think we're eighth. We're five and five. I just got done telling you the schedule after we get past Green Bay brightens up quite a bit. We got Detroit. We got Houston, who's actually playing decent football right now. So that's going to be a tougher game than it would have been about four weeks ago. Um, we got the Jaguars, who have won one football game, the first one, uh, against the Colts. So they got week one lucky against the Colts, and they've lost every game uh, since then. Uh, we got another game we'll get with Minnesota, and we finish out the year uh, at home against Green Bay, who may or may not have something to play for uh, when they come into Soldier Field. So we might be able to steal one from Green Bay because they're getting ready uh, for the playoffs, especially if they have clinched the top seed because right now they're number one in the NFC. So if they clinch the top seed, they are the one team in the conference that's getting a bye, and I would think that they'd probably rest themselves to, uh, to get ready for that playoff rather than risk getting somebody hurt uh, before the playoffs get started. So we might be able to steal that Week 17 game from Green Bay if they have nothing to play for at that point. So, But uh, we will see. I think Green Bay's number one. Or maybe it's New Orleans. I think New Orleans is. It's 8-2, something like that. Anyway, things could be different. I don't think New Orleans is going to win out and go 14-2. and two. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Green Bay might be able to catch them. But um, anyway, so we're still alive in the playoff race right now. Uh, number two, Roquan Smith's all-pro year, which has been a pleasure to watch. Uh, aside from that one little fit about getting uh, about missing tackles, you know, early, early in the season uh, where he would just come flying in out of nowhere and would over-pursue or come in so fast that he wouldn't be able to adjust to, uh, the, you know, the ball carrier adjusting to him, and he would basically just get smoked. He's been so much better with that basically since the Tampa Bay game because it happened twice in the Tampa Bay game. But uh, he has been an outstanding player for us, uh, especially this year. I mean, especially with, with what kind of a rocky year last year was, with, with whatever it was that, that, that kept him out of the Minnesota game last year. It all seemed like it was more of an emotional thing than anything physical. I don't think we ever got down to the bottom of what that was that Roquan was going through or, you know, what personal issues or, or what have you, uh, you know, where he ended up missing that game against uh, Minnesota and whatnot. If you guys remember what I'm talking about, uh, and then, of course, he had the elbow injury. He missed, uh, you know, a good portion uh, of the season uh, last year. So, and him coming back this year, even in this upside-down COVID world that we're living in, uh, he has been a definite bright spot uh, for our defense. Uh, number three, Allen Robinson. And I did not realize Robinson's numbers were as good as they were because he's been, along with the rest of the offense, quite frankly, not just him, but but he's been kind of quiet the last few weeks because our offense has been – pathetically bad uh but like 67 catches 700 yards three i mean only three touchdowns obviously that's not impressive but you know that's not his fault but i didn't realize his numbers were what they were when i when i was reading uh the column and uh, we should be thankful for him while we can uh because the bears are kind of playing their way out of position to even think about bidding on him in free agency if they have any thoughts about it um so let's enjoy Allen robinson while we can because he's likely going to be wearing a new uniform next year uh, number four on the list was the defense, and of course, we should be thankful for them. It's the only reason that we've won as many games as we have, and it's the only reason that the Bears have a chance to win every game, to be honest with you. You know, with the way the defense is playing, we just need them to show up and, you know, <laughs> and that's the thing. I'll talk about that here in, in, the, uh, in the keys of the game a little bit later. But, um, you know, the defense is giving us a chance to – to win every game just like they did last year. Even with the injuries that piled up against them, uh, they were still putting us in a position to be close uh, as long as the offense could figure it out. And uh, same problem in in, uh, in 2020. It's the offense that's holding us back. So thankful for the defense that uh, that makes these games, um, you know, interesting. But, um, you know, it's our offense that keeps letting us down at every turn. Uh, number five on the list was the rookie class. Uh, we got Jalen Johnson. We got Darren Mooney uh, out of it. And, uh, you know, even though we're not using him, when we have given Cole Komet an opportunity, he has done well. You know, I think that he's going to be a very good tight end for us. We just need if we need to get somebody out there who's going to use him, uh, you know, or the, the for the quarterbacks to have the time to be able to find him when he is out there on the field. I mean, we drafted this kid to be the future of our tight end position 
And, and I don't think I was exaggerating or far off at all when I was telling Evan Western he's got maybe eight catches on the season, and I doubt he has many more targets than that because I can't think of a time where the ball was thrown to Cole Komet that it was off target or that he dropped it or anything like that. Or, or it's not like he's got eight catches on 34 targets uh, or anything like that. If he has a dozen targets on the season, I would be shocked, completely honest with you guys. But Jalen Johnson has been a revelation. Darnell Mooney's another one of those fifth-round gems that Ryan Pace seems to be just so damn good at finding. And, um, you know, we, we, we got a little bit of use out of uh, Ham Bright and, you know, him playing for us against Tennessee. And actually, he wasn't bad against Tennessee because the notably garbage people on the field that day were Coward and Afidi on the right side of the line. And the left side with Leno and Hambright were actually not bad. Uh, you know, or at least in comparison, they were all pro compared to the garbage on the right side. So, uh, you know, we've gotten some use out of this rookie class. And um, finally, the last one was uh, was Cairo Santos. It said we found our kicker. And uh, we kind of it, it's funny how it happened because we kind of did it on accident. You know, we thought Eddie Pinero was our guy uh, last year and he finished the season in 2019 with a game-winning field goal against the, uh, the Vikings to give us that 500 record uh, last year. But uh, he came into camp. I don't know if he came into camp hurt or if, he, or if he hurt his groin in camp. He's been on IR all season with that uh, hamstring. I think with, especially with this year's rules, he is eligible to come off IR literally at any moment as far as I know. So, I mean, he either tore that thing off the bone and had a surgery we don't know about, or the Bears are just leaving him there to save the roster spot. I mean, either way, you know, Cairo Santos, yeah, Cairo Santos uh, came in as a camp leg, and, you know, he was the healthy kicker week one, so he's been kicking, and he's been fantastic. He's 17 of 19. He's got a long of, what, 54, 55, something like that in the Carolina game, and he had the game winner against Tampa Bay into the wind, uh, you know, week number five. So, you know, he's been fantastic. And I hope it continues. It would be really nice to not have to worry about uh, kicking. But, if, like, for the first time in a long time, in several years, I mean, even at the end of the Robbie Gold years, um, you know, you're not really worried when the kicker comes out on the on the field. You're not really worried at all. You know, we, we, we had that. We were spoiled for so many years when Robbie Gold was hot and when he was out there making his kicks uh, left and right and then he got shaky 2015 and then in the preseason of 2016 he was doinking extra points he was missing field goals how many games did we lose in 2015 that we should have won had he made a field goal I can think of at least two off the top of my head uh, you know it's like he just it, it seemed like he was coming towards the end of his rope there and then it just turns out he needed a change of scenery because uh, he's been outstanding for the uh, well first for the Giants that was the team he signed with in 2016 and then you know it's in 2017 and beyond he's been with san francisco and he's been automatic uh automatic for them and we as the bears have been uh sitting in sitting here with our buttholes puckered anytime a field goal kicker has to come on the field because they're not robbie gold so but um you know i just like to not because i hate robbie gold uh i was not happy about him you know, about losing him or anything like that. He was like the last relic of the, the Lovey Smith era, the Brian Urlacher uh, era of the uh, of the team and everything. Those are fond memories and uh, didn't want to see him go, but you couldn't deny that he cost us some football games in 2015 and he was, you know, performing in a way that he was going to cost us some games in 2016. Now, granted, we only won three games in 2016, but, uh, you know, uh, put – put gold on the field for a game winner you wouldn't be as confident as you once were um but uh he was able to get that and uh figure it out and he's still one of the best uh in the league and we finally have a kicker that we can rely on uh in Cairo Santos now I hope I don't have to eat those words <laughs> this week but uh I think we found our guy and I think uh, Cairo Santos has uh, found his stroke again because he was actually one of the best young kickers in the league, and then he suffered like a terrible, like like you heard me, you know, talking about Panero and you know whether that groin injury must have been like torn off the bone. Santos literally did suffer one of those injuries, and uh, basically has been trying to find his way back. And um, you know, in his second stint with the Bears, here he is again because um, I think the the Bears were the first team that he signed with when he got healthy again. And he re-injured himself in some degree uh, when he was kicking for the Bears a couple of years ago. 
and now here he is back again. And, and like I said, I think that Kairos has Kairos found his stroke again. And uh, if uh, we as Bear fans and the organization have anything to say about it, I think Kairos found his home uh, for the time being uh, in the NFL. So those are the six things, a list of things we should be thankful for. With our five and five Bears, even though their play on the field has leave us left us very little to be grateful for going into the holiday, but uh, there you have it. And then finally, guys, to wrap up the news and notes, we have the injury report. And um, Rashad Coward's name appeared on the list, which made me excited because I thought it meant that he might not be able to play. But he's been a full participant this week so far, both days in practice, Wednesday and Thursday, uh, with an ankle injury. Nick Foles has not practiced yet with the hip injury he suffered against the uh, Vikings. Uh, Jimmy Graham got the Veterans Day off yesterday on Wednesday, was full go today on Thursday. Akeem Hicks not practicing yet with that hamstring injury. I don't think it's looking good for him to come back. Uh, John Jenkins had the ankle injury. I think he suffered that against Minnesota. He was limited yesterday, was full go again today. Uh, Charles Leno's name popped up on the list today, was not on the injury list yesterday, but was out today with a toe injury. Hopefully that won't be serious. Uh, Sarek McManus limited yesterday, full go today with the hand injury. Barkevius Mingo, David Montgomery, Sam Mustafer, all full participants. Sam Mustafer coming back could be huge uh, for us. Maybe we put him in at center, white hair at guard. And, and I saw somebody with the idea of sliding Jermaine Afidi out to right tackle to get Rashad Coward off of the field. And maybe our right guard could be Eric Cush. Um, I would be in, I would be in full support of that as long as it got Rashad Coward off the field. He's he's awful. Uh, Cordero Patterson limited yesterday with a calf injury. Full go today. Uh, Trevathan was out for personal reasons yesterday, so not the veteran day off designation. Out for personal reasons. Full go today. And then Mitchell Trubisky, um, 100% participation despite the right shoulder injury for the last two days. Uh, Matt Nagy is playing uh, coy with the um, with who is going to be our starter uh, on Sunday, but all signs point to it being Mitch against the Packers. So, um, you know, with uh, you guys heard me say it in the knee-jerk reaction after the Minnesota game. Uh, I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times in the in the review episodes, and I'll say it again. With this offensive line, I don't have a issue. It might actually be a better idea to have Mitch out there. I am definitely not on the bandwagon of we would have won X amount of games as Mitch was out there. I don't believe that at all, to be completely honest with you. I don't, and not because Mitch would have been out there, but just because – the play calling and the offensive line has been what it was. I don't know if it would have been. I don't think we would have done better. Um, and in some cases, with the way that Mitch handles pressure, it might have been worse. Who knows? Uh, I th our record would most likely be the same, in my opinion, but uh, I don't think it would have been better. Like, it's, like I said, in all the time that Mitch has been out, the one moment that I wished we had Mitch out there was during the overtime period against the Saints, in that one play where Foles basically would have had the first down, most likely, if he ran, but he just kept hanging. Like, he got to the line of scrimmage, and it would treated it like a force field. Like, he wouldn't cross it. He hung back, tried to find someone, waiting for someone to get open. And, you know, it's like Mitch would have run for the first down, you know, or he would have made a valiant effort to get a first down. He would have had the speed and the athleticism to do it. That was literally the only time in all the time that he's been out that I wished Mitch was out there. So maybe on Monday against the uh, the on against the Vikings, I think maybe Mitch would have been able to do a bit better job because of his ability to scramble. That's really the only thing. That's the main edge he has on Nick. I believe Foles is better at literally everything else. So um, resume-wise, you compare him side to side, Foles sees the field better. He makes better reads. And, you know, he's thrown some interceptions, but not some of the epically bad ones. I mean, they're, they're you know. I'm not going to get into that. But nonetheless, that's like, you know, you run the, t the, the tail of the tape. Youth and athleticism and scrambling ability, that's the only things that he's got on Foles. I think Foles is better than at everything else. And if it's been proven that if Foles had an offensive line that was blocking for him and protecting him, 
I think we would be in really, really great shape right now. If he had the time to find his receivers and, and you know, make the throws that he can make, I think the Bears would be fine. You know, we might have we, – we'd be fantastic, actually. But um, Foles isn't being protected. And like a lot of quarterbacks who get hit 99% of the time, it's affecting the way that he plays the game. It's affecting his timing. It's uh, it makes him you know nervous and uh, and things like that. And we've also heard evidence of Nick saying that he knows before before they even break the huddle whether or not the play is going to work, or at least he's got it in his head the play is not going to work before he even approaches the line of scrimmage to see what defense we have out in front of us. He knows he doesn't have the time to make the throw that Nagy is asking for on that play call. So. We'll see. We'll get into a little bit more of that here with the keys to the game, but that's going to do it for news and notes. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and then we'll get to news and notes. (laughs) The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Support for the Bearstock Underground also comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision, precision engineer tools for your family jewels. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. And I'm talking, of course, about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as using on your balls. That's just nasty. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits, so why aren't you putting it on the smelliest part of your body? And yes, your balls do stink. Speaking of sweaty, stinky balls, I am thankful for their Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keep your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And... (laughs) Boy, they really paint a really great picture of what's going on down there, don't they? And these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood, if you know what I mean. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day long. It's time to upgrade those uh, overused pair of boxers in Manscaped high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Tis the season to Manscaped to get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Your balls will thank you. And with that, let's get back to the show. I said news and notes at the end, didn't I? I meant keys to the game. These are the keys to the game. That was news and notes. So I kind of hoped or kind of promised, if you will, to um, try to come up with something a bit more exciting uh, or a little more um, maybe X's and O-ish uh, than uh, maximize game, you know, uh, playmaking opportunities, minimize uh, mistakes. Now, granted, those are one and two. So we'll just say that we're on to number three already for the keys to the game because those are two things that the Bears – well, actually, we, we kept mista- – well, that's not necessarily true. We weren't necessarily penalizing ourselves into a hole uh, like we have or erasing good plays with penalties. We only had the one penalty. The very first penalty of the game, Trevathan jumping offside on third and three, giving the Vikings an automatic first down uh, on Monday Night Football. That was the only penalty the Bears suffered in the entire football game, if I'm not mistaken. But – um 
you know, obviously then there was the turnovers, the interceptions, uh, things like that that ended up hurting us later on uh, in the football game. But, um, you know, we, we, we chilled it with the penalties uh, against the, the Vikings. Hopefully that's a trend that can continue and we won't be taking uh, plays away from ourselves uh, in this game in, uh, against the Packers because we're at a point right now that the, the Bears are in we-have-to-be-perfect-to-win mode right now so or are we we need to be as close to perfect as humanly possible and that means keeping the penalties to an absolute minimum you know or at least the timing on penalties has to be much better than it's been we can't have you know one of our best plays you know a pass play to Darnell Mooney or a decent run from David Montgomery we can't have these things taken back you know, from, uh, you know, with penalties and stuff, holding penalties, blocking the back, you know, illegal hands to the face. It, it always seems to pop up that, we, you know, we, we finally take one step forward on offense only to have to take two step, steps back. Because the other thing is, and I don't know if this is an emotional thing uh, for the Bears, it always seems that whenever we miss out on an opportunity like that, whenever we have a play to be excited about that is taken away from a penalty, it always seems like we're not that team that will just bounce right back on the next play. I mean, I saw that happen to the Texans uh, today in in the Detroit Lions game. Uh, they had a you know beautiful throw from um, from Watson. Uh, to Will Fuller for a touchdown taken away from a holding penalty. Literally the very next play, down the sideline to Duke Johnson, who shook his DB out of his boots, touchdown. So it's like the penalty never happened. In fact, Deshaun Watson gets credit for 10 more yards in his passing stats to throw that touchdown to Duke Johnson. When was the last time you saw the Bears do something like that? You know, let's say we get a third down, we get a first down on third and five. We had some kind of, you know, penalty to make it, you know, third and 10, third and 15. And then we go get 16 yards and get another first down like that penalty never happened. When can you think of a time the Bears did something like that this year? And it didn't even have to be third down, any down where we had a decent play erased. And then we came right back and with a better one uh, on the next play. Not an easy thing to do. But when have you seen the Bears do that? We always seem to, you know, as, as much as Nagy wants to talk about these guys, you know, they don't lack effort and they're perseverant. They're always kind of sticking it out. You know, it also kind of seems like we're an emotional team in, in the negative sense that when something bad happens, it affects us, you know, or at least it affects us for the next play or two. We, we never really bounce back right away from one of those uh, moment. So maybe that would be another key. We, we got to have that next play mentality, have the next play mentality to where if something goes wrong on this play, when we when we were in the huddle, getting ready for the next one, that play is gone. We forgot. We don't even know what happened. It's over with, you know, like, I don't even know what happened so much. And you check the scoreboard to see what down it is uh, kind of thing. That's that's how much I don't remember what just happened. Because it's not important, because what's, what's important is the next play, the one we're going to run right now, whether it's on offense or defense, have the next play mentality. If you have uh, you know, a good play taken away from you, if a sack gets taken away over some bogus, you know, like, like a holding penalty in coverage or, or something like that, you know, go back and get the quarterback again. You know what I mean? That's what we need to do. We have to be able to emotionally bounce back because it just seems like if something goes wrong uh, for the Bears, if, if something positive is taken away from us because of a penalty, for whatever reason, we don't immediately bounce back. It just seems like it always takes us a few plays to recover uh, from that mistake. So number one, minimize the mistakes. Number two, maximize the play playmaking opportunities. Number three, have the next play mentality. No more. Have amnesia. You forget what happened on the last play. We're moving on to the next one. Number four, this is on the offensive side, and this is more on coaching than it is on, I think, the players themselves. We have to help the offensive line. No matter what five guys we throw out there, we have to help them. You know, whether it is to just line it up and run the power O, get um, get J.P. Holtz back there, make him our fullback, you know, get uh, get an unbalanced line out there. Let's let's make them think we're going this way or that way. 
just get a man on the man and uh you know and, and that's in the running game you know load it up and and go head to head go right at them attack the packers with the with the running game be determined to try to make it work at the very least it would set us up for some play action uh opportunities whether or not they have confidence in the fact that the running game may or not may or may not work they're at least going to have to respect that we're trying to uh run the football so the play action fake might actually work but we have to protect our offensive line as silly as that sounds you know the whole season the whole season we've got them out there five on four five on three five on six whatever they're getting no help no matter what's coming from the other side so what we have to do is you know keep the tight ends in to help out on max protection make sure that that when with if a running back you know comes in he's chipping somebody if he's running out you know on a pass pattern or something throws a shoulder uh into kenny clark or you know one of the smith brothers or or something like that uh on the outside before he drops into the flat for you know uh, one of those relief routes and and things like that we have to do something to help this offensive line to help whoever our quarterback is wink wink mitch uh on sunday you know to we protect the offensive line we'll protect our quarterback i believe we'll get better results in the passing game, you know, because Mitch won't be running for his life from the second the ball is snapped uh, and things like that. We have to help them out because I think that's a real deficit in coaching uh, first on Matt Nagy's part as the main play caller. And now it falls on in, on Bill Lazor's lap. We have to do something to help this offensive line, because obviously at this point, these eyes, these guys aren't good enough to just do it themselves. Now, do we do it on every single play? No, that would be silly. But in those plays where we know we have to throw the football, like third and nine or something like that, you know a pass play is coming. Keep a tight end in in pass protection. Get the you know maybe put JP Holtz back there uh, in the backfield. Let him be the one. Let let David Montgomery run a pattern straight out of the backfield. Let JP Holtz be the one that helps in protection. Uh, you know, for for uh, linebackers and blitzing or something like that. Somebody who's got some meat on his bones. Uh, you know, stick his nose in there in the middle if somebody tries blitzing up the uh, blitzing up the middle. But we got to do something to help out this offensive line in order to help out our quarterback. And then it just comes down to execution at that point. It really does because it's been nearly impossible to execute our offense because we're asking the quarterback five step drop, seven step drop with an offensive line in front of him that can't do its job as a five man unit. We need to help the offensive line so we can help our quarterback, and then it falls on the quarterback and the receivers to execute the passing schemes to get themselves open uh, to be able to move the chains uh, and such. It's it's one of those the snowball rolls downhill uh, kind of thing, and it's got to start now with the offensive line. It's been such a weakness for us this year. I mean, to the point, like literally the last four weeks, of the season has been the worst four games that this offensive line has played we lost all four of those games that's not a coincidence it's not and we're not doing anything to help these guys up front at all we're not sticking you know like we wondered how the hell did the one five and one Bengals beat the titans well they're, they're the titans are lousy against the pass rush and Joe Burrow only had to wait maybe a second or two to get rid of the football because they really employed the short passing game to, uh, you know, basically they get the Titans on their heels as far as like trying to get after him uh, in the passing game. Not only did they beat the Titans, they beat them big, 31 to 20. And I don't think the game was that close, to be honest with you. So but then, did we employ that strategy? Hell no. Uh, we just put those five guys out there, even though that was the worst piecemeal line that we'd thrown together because of COVID and injuries against the Titans. And it was an absolute shit show in that game. Just awful. Just awful. So, you know, we have to protect the offensive line so that they can protect Foles or, excuse me, Mitch uh, in this case. And, um, you know, I think that that would be golden for us. I really do. We we help the offensive line. They can protect. Maybe they build up some confidence. Maybe we can take some chances with them and just go with the five guys uh, from time to time. But we got to do something to help those guys out. We got to do something to you know to to help ourselves uh, in this one. We really really do. Uh, it's it's something that we've suffered tremendously and we've done nothing about it. Just thinking it's going to get better all on its own. 
uh, even with the revolving door of, of guys that have played on the offensive line uh, this year. We have to do something to help them so that they can protect the quarterback so the quarterback can find his receivers uh, and everything. Because too many times Nick Foles is throwing off his back foot or he's you know throwing the football as he's rolling backwards to avoid uh, the pass rush uh, and things like that. So, And it was happening to, uh, happening to Mitch uh, as well. So the offensive line was playing better when Mitch was out there. Um, but that was when we were playing bad football teams and, uh, and things like that. But the offensive line was better in the first three games of the season. There's no denying that. Uh, it's just that um, since uh, getting punched in the mouth week four uh, against the Colts, they've kind of been teetering and just progressively gotten worse the last four games. So um, we got to do something to help them. Helping them helps the football team. I think we, I think we can take a big step forward. If we start to help out the offensive line, things will start falling into place, okay? I know this is the NFL, and today's NFL, you want five wide receivers out there, you know, throwing the football and spreading it around and everything. But maybe if we went a little bit more old school and kept an extra guy or two out there, we're running the three-man routes and things like that, I, you know, I think it would be kind of a less is more uh, type of approach. Even though we've got fewer guys running routes, it's giving us a better opportunity uh, to move the football through the passing game because our quarterback is protected. He can make his proper reads. He can step into his throws, which means he's going to be more accurate and so on. So that's how I'm feeling uh, about uh, the offensive line. And then finally, my last key is for Mitch. Everything's pointing to him being the starter uh, on Sunday. After just talking about the offensive line, it's a change that I welcome. Would I have been calling for that? Not necessarily. Um, with the offensive line situation, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is, completely honest with you. Uh, that's just my thought. Um, but I'm interested. I'm definitely intrigued to see what we're going to get out of Mitch uh, on Sunday. Will he have taken this um, this benching? Um and, and turned it into a positive thing. Can he come back out of this thing a new man, knowing that losing his job is a real thing and that he is just one bad play away uh, from getting it taken away uh, again? Uh, will he take this as an FU tour uh, to the Bears to kind of play himself into a better situation with another team next year? Because he's a free agent at the end of the year no matter what. So, you know, will he paint the Bears into a corner where we got to franchise him uh, to, you know, to see if he can repeat the last six games and, you know, be the man in 2021 and be our quarterback going forward? Um, you know, what will who will who will Mitch be? Uh, one thing that I definitely want to see from Mitch is, pre, pre, you know, prior to the shoulder injury, Mitch, because 2017, his rookie season, he made some outstanding plays. Uh, running the football, I think of immediately um, a fourth down uh, run against the Lions in 2017. Uh, thanks to um, what's his name, that kicker that we had. Um, we we should have tied the game, but he f kicked the football into a different zip code than where the, f the goddamn uprights were. But it was like fourth and 13, and Mitch breaks the pocket, makes the guy miss, gets like a 17-yard run on fourth and 13. I mean, it was an outstanding play. And then he delivers a dime of a throw to get us in field goal range on the next play, only for that dickhead to miss it uh, and, and, and lose us the football game. It should have tied us up to go to overtime, but instead we missed it, and Mitch's heroics were, for not, were, were all for naught. So, but, you know, it's moments like that. Think about how he almost single-handedly beat the Patriots uh, with his legs, you know, in, the, in that game. That one touchdown, the touchdown run that he had, that other run that you know that he had where he kind of stopped, and then blockers came and, and wiped out some of the more of the page. He runs for another 10, 15 yards, almost scores a touchdown, and things like that. If that's the Mitch that we can get running the football, if he's running with that same kind of determination and fearlessness that he had before, I am all for this. I am all for seeing that Mitch, especially with this offensive line remember I talked about it in the knee-jerk reaction after the Minnesota game I talked about it in the in the review episodes afterwards if that's the Mitch that we're going to get absolutely I absolutely want to see Mitch out there with this offensive line he can still make things happen for us despite the offensive line but if he's going to be like week one of this year I wanted to eat a gun watching him play 
because there were moments that he should have run and he basically refused to do it. Like he he did what Foles did in that Indianapolis or excuse me, the New Orleans game. Like the when I said before, that was the one moment I missed Mitch Trubisky. That was the one moment I wanted him to be out there. But he did that against the Lions week one. It's like he he could have run for the first down. Instead, he stopped short of the line of scrimmage, hung back, waiting for people to get open. Just run, man. You got the first down. You're, you're, way too, you're much better an athlete than this. Just go take the first down. You know, move the chains. We'll move on to the next one. Keep the drive going. You know, it's like, I, and, and I, like I said, I don't know. I don't know if it's been coached out of him. If Nagy and the powers that be in in the in the quarterback room or in the offensive uh, play callers have just told him to look downfield, find the receiver, somebody's open, or if he's gun shy, especially now getting hurt twice uh, with with those shoulder injuries to the same shoulder. As a matter of fact, the shoulder uh, to um, I think all three actually, even his uh, his shoulder injury last year was a. Um, was a throwing shoulder injury against the Vikings when he was out for the the London game and the uh, after the bye as well. So, yeah, I don't know. So, so I, I like I said, I don't know if if he's just lost his nerve because he's gotten hurt a couple of times, or if if he's been told not to run as much, or both. Maybe it's both. Maybe he is a little gun shy and he's not running when the coaches want him to. And then there are other moments where the coaches are telling him not to run because, you know, somebody's open. See, you ran. See, you ran here, but this guy was open down there. You should have stayed in the pocket or you should have, you know, scrambled a little bit, get yourself in some open space, find the receiver. And he's just not good at determining which which is the best time to do what like he's throwing when he should be running. He's running when he should be throwing uh, and things like that. So hopefully this this break this uh this um you know exit to the sidelines has been a good thing for him you know to to shake him up mentally number one to to see that being the chicago bears starting quarterback uh that not being the chicago bears starting quarterback is a reality not just something that's being threatened or wished for by the fan base and the media and things like it's a real thing you can actually be a member of the Chicago Bears and not be their starting quarterback. It's not what you were brought here to do, but there are people who would rather pour sand in their eyes than watch you play football, and uh, right now they're getting their wish watching you on the sidelines. And, um, you know, a lot of those people are begging you to come back. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very intrigued and interested to see what kind of Mitch we get uh, on Sunday. Will it be the same old Mitch that played his way onto the bench uh, in the first three games of the season, will it be a a revitalized guy that's playing for his career? You know, will it be a guy that that wants to stay in Chicago, and you know is playing like he wants to be the leader of this offense uh, going forward, or will it be a guy that's playing for the other thirty one teams that will take him away from all this madness? Who knows? You know, but I'm very intrigued to see the guy that we get on Sunday and how this um, this benching has changed him if it has changed him at all so but if he's going to be out there we need to see old mitch 2017 mitch you know and and honestly with his circumstances why wouldn't he be why wouldn't he be out there doing everything and showcasing what he is good at you know we know that he's got a good arm it's not a very accurate one which is a problem which is one of his biggest problems but we know he's got a good arm we know He's, you know, a great athlete. We know that he can run. So those would be the things that I'd be focusing on. Uh, you know, go, go out there and any opportunity that you have to break the pocket and run, do it. And the beautiful thing is you're a quarterback, so you can take a dive and, and not get hit uh, and things like that. So, you know, just so long as you tie, t- time your slide properly, nobody will be able to touch you and you'll be golden. And you've got this many rushing yards. We've moved the chains so on. Uh, and so forth. So I'm hoping that he's learned a lot from this experience and that he'll be better, uh, f- not just for us, but for himself, um, because I am a fan of the kit. I really am. I, I want to see him succeed, and uh, it will suck that it happens uh, someplace if it does happen somewhere else. But, um, you know, we all know that Mitch is a good guy. I don't think anybody wanted him benched because he's a dickhead uh, or anything like that. We wanted him benched because he wasn't the best option for us at the time. So now that we've got him back, 
Let's see if he can make it so that we're stuck with him or that after Sunday night's game against Green Bay, we don't want to see Foles out there again. So fingers crossed, guys. Fingers crossed. So, so there you have it. Number one, minimize the mistakes. Number two, maximize the play calling opportunities. Number three, next play mentality. If you make a mistake, forget about it and move on to the next play. If somebody gets a, you know, like a holding penalty, brings a play back or an extends a drive, we forget about it. Just go ahead and do it the next play uh, and so on. Number four, protect and slash help the offensive line so that they can protect slash help the quarterback, the running back, and, you know, uh, the offense in general. And then number five, if Mitch is going to be out there, he's got to be old school Mitch. Um, he's got to be the, the Mitch that was kind of a run first quarterback like he was in 2017 uh, and then 2018 he was much more opportunistic with his running he needs to have that sense of um, that fearlessness that he used to have uh, running the football I mean remember think to the Lions game in 2018 uh, the first one in Chicago um, when he uh, did the quarterback draw he ran f- flat out right into Jared Davis the middle linebacker for the Lions to kind of try to run through him to score the touchdown I don't think 2020 Mitch at the beginning of the year or even 2019 Mitch would have dared to try something like that you know what I'm saying and I and I want to see that Mitch again I want to see that guy that's going to lower his shoulder into the linebacker if it means getting the first down or getting that touchdown uh, as opposed to doing whatever he can to avoid contact or avoid getting hurt again. Nobody likes getting hurt. Nobody likes spending time in the trainer's room or anything like that. But, um, you know, no guts, no glory, bro. You got to get out there and you got to do it. If if you want to be a starting quarterback anywhere in 2021 or even here in Chicago, if you want your job back, you're going to have to show us why we should keep you. And, you know, early on 2020, Mitch, or most of 2019, Mitch, is not that guy. He's not. So go out and be the rookie that we thought was supposed to be the, you know, the cream of that class. Go be the 2018 guy that made the Pro Bowl, and you know, I think we'll have some good results uh, with our offense because our offense could use a real shot in the arm. Maybe Mitch coming out there and doing Mitch things will be what we need. Who knows? But fingers crossed, guys. Um, you know, as we learned from uh, – from our friend Evan Western, um, you know, in the vein of the maximizing the playmaking opportunities, if if you can, you know, stack a couple of uh, turnovers on the Packers, uh, he was saying in their three losses this year, their turnover total is, you know, like 10 times what it is <laughs> for, for the games that they've won. If they've won the football game, ch- chances are either they, A, haven't turned the football over, or B, won the turnover battle uh, in that football game. So... You know, if, if we can get a mistake out of Aaron Rodgers, we can get an interception, a rare mistake out of him, or we can get, uh, you know, one of their, uh, you know, punch the ball out of their receiver's hands or strip the ball, something like that. Um, you know, stack up some opportunities uh, to give our offense a chance to to put some points on the board. And then our defense, that's the mode that we're, you know, minimizing the mistakes uh, kind of thing because Aaron Rodgers is just too good. If, if you go out there and make a mental error or a, a bad read or, you know, you, you, you bite on a fake of some kind, Rodgers will make you pay for it all day and all night. So we got to do everything that we can to, you know, make Aaron Rodgers a pedestrian kind of guy. Nothing ex- extraordinary, uh, you know, look, make him look too brilliant or anything. Then we'll be in big trouble. But if we can contain him, that's one of the things the Bears have actually been good at. It's just it always seems that we could never generate enough on offense to beat Green Bay. And that's what's made those those games so, so annoying, so frustrating, is that we're like one of whether it's division familiarity or anything like that. We've always been like one of the main teams that could always kind of contain Rodgers and the Packers, and a team that can go out and score 40 points a game or something like that, uh, barely score 17, but they always beat the Bears because our offense can never score more than 10 kind of thing. Despite the defense that Green Bay puts out there, we just can't uh, get past them. We're always, you know, for some reason we can go out and be the one team that keeps Aaron Rodgers under 20 points and still lose the football game. So stopping or slowing down Aaron Rodgers never really been much of an issue uh, for the Bears over the years. 
it's always been outscoring the Packers. I mean, obviously that's the the object of the game, but that's always been the issue is that we've always been able to put a good enough defense on the field to stop slash contain Aaron Rodgers and the Packer offense. We've never really been in a good position with our offense to be able to put enough points on the board to beat them. So you're never going to see the Bears get into a 41 to 40 you know, shootout or anything like that. It's always going to be one of those mid-range kind of games, 20 to 17, 24 to 20, or like week one of 2018, 24, 23. That's probably on the high end of the scoring table for a Bears-Packers uh, football game. And then, of course, there's the game that I'm dreading where 55 to 14 with Aaron Rodgers, you know, 42, uh, 42 points off of six touchdowns in the first half uh, kind of thing. Um, I'm kind of loosening up on that just because I know our defense is better than that. But it, ha- it kind of has that eerie kind of feeling uh, to it. But um, a, a victory on Sunday is possible. You know, can we do it? Absolutely. We've done it before. Just think back to Thanksgiving of 2015, John Fox's first year as head coach. We had no business beating that team on Thanksgiving Day, but we went in there on Thanksgiving night and on Aaron, or excuse me, on Brett Favre Jersey retirement night on national TV in Lambeau, we sh- we, we 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 scored enough points to win twenty-one to seventeen, I think was, or like seventeen to thirteen, or something like that was the final score uh, in that game. And in that game, we forced some turnovers. We had two interceptions from Tracy Porter in that one. We got a fumble from Eddie Lacy uh, out of that one as well. So I mean, there you go. There's the blueprint. We were a bad football team in 2015, and we put together a good enough performance to beat a playoff-bound uh, Packer team. We do something like that this Sunday. Get an interception or two out of Aaron Rodgers. Maybe force some fumbles out of their running backs and and something like that. Maybe get a a fumble out of uh, Valdez Scantling. He just fumbled a couple against the Colts and things like that. And and maybe, like Evan Western talked about, uh, Cordell Patterson should be a huge, uh, you know, factor uh, in this game. Uh, You know, maybe he gets a kick return for us and puts some free points uh, on the board. We we do a mixture of that. Victory against the Packers doesn't seem so crazy. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, I look forward to the game. Like I said, I'm intrigued to see which Mitch will show up on Sunday. He's def- I, you know, I'm pretty certain he's going to be our starter on Sunday. If Foles plays, I'll be floored. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it all goes down Sunday night. Knee-jerk reactions should be interesting. So be sure to check those out on uh, Monday as we recover from the holiday and possibly have a Sunday night football hangover uh, after the Bears get trounced by the Packers. So come back on Monday for the Bear Up, Bear Down episode to see how it all shaked out uh, for our beloved. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.